Crack my spine and lay me down. Tell everyone you know about me. Keep me a secret. Memorize parts of me until they're a part of you. Grab me when you get into bed. Put your fingers inside of me and tell me what you've learned. Fall asleep with me in your hands. Wake up with me tangled in your sheets. Put me on the shelf when you're done. Forget that I'm there. Reach for me when you're lonely, when you need me. I'll wait for you in the dark. I'm an insane, sexual, shadow witch and my name is Lacey Free and I'm the fucking host of Horpod. Welcome to Horror Pod. Hi, thank you for being here. Will you tell the magical horrors of the universe who you are? Introduce yourself, please. My name is Brent Richenberger, and first of all, thank you so much for having me. I am, let's see, I'm a lot of things. <laughs> um, I am a witch, I am a writer. And I am a poet, probably first and foremost. I'm just a spiritual being having a physical experience and uh, having a great time. I'm so fucking glad you're here because the first time we talked, I was having all these downloads about archetypes and how archetypes in mythology are so freaking important. And that subconsciously, we're interacting with mythology all of the time. And I was getting like fragments of downloads around this. But I'm really obsessed with this energy of the father archetype being the son and then the mother archetype being the energy of the earth, being the feminine energy. And not so much about gender, but the feminine energy being more of like creative energy, flow, emotion, the energy of the river, the dark waters. Well, the sun is an energy of like fierceness, bold, fire energy. It's masculine. It's the father archetype. The sun is there for us, but also out of reach in ways. And I feel like we have like a father archetype to wound of it being there for us, but out of reach. And that even though the masculine energy can be so dominant and prevalent and sort of overtaking in ways and overshadowing in ways, I think we still like long for this father archetype. And I've recently 
And I said this briefly on the podcast I just did with Noah and maybe on my Patreon. So sorry if it's repetitive, but I'm like trying to work it out in my head. But I keep seeing this energy of ascension and that I see the earth like ascending to meet the sun. And we've been living under this illusion of separateness, of the sun being the galactic energy separate from the earth energy, that aliens are something way out there that is separate from this divinity of the earth energy. And in this illusion of separateness, I almost feel like no matter what childhoods we came from, that we're walking around with these sort of wounds of being children of divorced parents. Divorced parents being the separation of the earth energy and the sun. But it feels to me now that like part of this energy of ascension is the earth like skyrocketing to meet the sun. And I don't know if it's literally happening, but sometimes in the weirdness with weather, it like really feels like it's literally happening to me right now or that we're all zooming up. And you know, like that Schumann resonance, meaning that we're getting more activation from the sun. I could be saying that wrong. No, you're right. You're right. And we have like this new species of babies on the planet right now. And I think that it's because these babies are carrying this masculine and feminine energy in a more balanced way rather than just a dichotomy. And just for myself personally, I love the idea of worshiping queer and and gender fluid and trans people because I feel like within their own bodies, they're carrying the energy of the galactic sun being the masculine and they're carrying this divine feminine energy of the earth. And in that, and I don't want to place that on every queer trans person, but I think so many of them are healers and deities for us right now in literally bringing the healing to the grid and showing all of us that it doesn't have to be this or that construction or creativity, earth or the galactic, that we are both and that we can embody both. And then I got on the, so I was getting these downloads and then you and I had a reading that ended up really not being a reading. And you were just like mythology and archetypes and telling me all of these beautiful things you manifested. So do you have any thoughts on this, what I'm saying about this like ascension with earth? Yeah. And will you tell us sort of how you see mythology and the archetypes? Yeah, absolutely. So there's, if you think about like the masculine idea of a god, uh, of a creator god, Christian archetype of that. That's very like sky daddy, what you were explaining there, but just out of reach. And so when I, I believe that personally that when, because we have this divine feminine coming back into the planet, coming back into us, and it basically essentially what's happening is we realize, oh, no, 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 it's not about what's up there. It's about, it's all within. It's it's all like the divinity that you're searching for, that externalization of God is actually, it's it's within you. The sun in general, it is worshipped across all cultures and as is the earth, obviously. The, the sun cultures are going to be, I mean, I work with the sun personally. Like this was, this was a big thing for me. I was a, one of my, like my first quote unquote magical acts 
is I uh, consecrated a, a talisman of the sun and then did like the six day ritual. Fun fact about the, the sun is in, um, there's something called a magical square for each of the planets. And the sun is, I would have to look it up to make sure, but it's all the numbers add up to 111. And then when you add those up, there's six of them. So the number is 666. And six is the number of man. It is the number of Christ. And it's the number of like the, um, what's it called? Tippereth, I believe in Kabbalah. It's the sphere of beauty. And it's also like the sphere of like, it's uh, really beauty within yourself as well. I really do absolutely agree that the earth itself, like everything, like all the little downloads that I've gotten and pieces that I've heard is that the earth has made a decision to ascend and we are with it. Like we're on it. So we're going to ascend. And it's not a matter of if you want to, it is literally a matter of when, basically. It's not really a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And this human resonance, uh, there's a lot of talk about that we are actually getting more light within our bodies. And if you think about that, I mean, yeah, you can think of that as a metaphor for, you know, more enlightenment, more consciousness, etc., which of course it is. But like you were saying, it's not this or that, it's this and that. Everything is everything. So everything is true. <laughs> and that's yeah. what and and that's what I love about mythology and fiction. If I mean, but I mean that's a whole nother subject, whether even like there is fiction, because really when you tell a story, that story becomes reality. Like when you write it down, you make it real. And I firmly believe that, you know, the stories that we tell, like Joan Didion, RIP, just, uh, you know, she said that we tell ourselves stories in order to live. So the narratives that we tell ourselves are literally the ones that, I mean, we use as essentially a framework for our lives, which you can go from, you know, you can look at a situation that is quote unquote bad. And if you just look at it from a different perspective, or I rather, I would probably say a higher perspective, you can see the machinations, you can see the plot, you can see the um, the conflict. If you go back to like Joseph Campbell and the monomyth and stuff like that, you can see where, like why the story is happening right now to you. And you can, and with that information and with tools like tarot cards, astrology, et cetera, intuition, all everything. <laughs> I mean, look at a cloud and, and get some information. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so <laughs> that was a lot. <laughs> that, no, that was amazing. And don't ever apologize for tangents. We're yeah. going to go all over the place in this, and that's what the beauty of it. And I, everything you said was dope. So – can you tell me more about how you work with the sun and the rituals around the sun? So I, so as like a baby witch, the reason I got into witchcraft and well, not, not into witchcraft. I've always been a witch, but I just, when I actually started practicing, like I was just in theory, I was a witch in theory. And I was like, I, I went to Italy. I wrote a book about witches and I came back and I started practicing witchcraft because again, stories, change things. I found a, a Renaissance astrologer online and he talismans, specifically astrological talismans. 
which the idea of its talisman is to capture a moment in time and house it within like an object to harness the power of that astrological time. So for example, like I believe mine was in August and it was like a plus eight strength or something like that, you know? And in order to quote unquote activate the talisman, I lit some incense and I sang the Orphic hymn to the sun as I let the talisman like twirl over the smoke. And I did that every morning at sunrise for six days because six is the number of the sun. That's beautiful. Isn't 666 connected to the devil? It is, but um, I would say that's a little bit more like... 666 is actually very connected to the divine feminine um, because it is... uh, Let's see, why was... Oh, 333 and three being the number. And so it's... um, Yeah, so 666 in the Bible is associated with with the beast... Um, but fun fact about the beast is if you look into goddesses like Babylon, the beast is literally your fear. And what you do is you ride your fear. And that's, I mean, we're in the apocalypse newsflash. I think everybody's aware, (laughs) but, um, but really what the, like the, what the idea of Babylon is, it's, it's the divine feminine and all of her, like in all of her power. And that is terrifying and beautiful, but also beauty is terror. When we talk about like, you know, the number of the beast, um, that's, she rides a seven headed beast. (laughs) And one of those heads is a poet. There's others I would have to check, but that's the one that resonates. (laughs) Um, And and Babylon also is described as being clothed in the sun. Um, So I would think that, I would say that Babylon and, well, I work with Hecate, who is a goddess of really associated with the moon. And then, and then the sun. So, I mean, the funny thing about Babylon is that's the way that she just kind of like snaked into the conversation literally is how she works. She's just a goddess of like great mystery. Do you know the, the origin of Babylon? Tell us. So Babylon's in the Bible, right? She's the holy whore. She's the holy whore of Babylon. And she is the, um, it's the divine feminine coming back because the uh, because of the unveiling, which is the apocalypse. Now, the interesting thing about Babylon is that there's a man named John D who was the astronomer and the essentially like the the court like occultist <laughs> of Queen Elizabeth II, and she, and so basically, he and his friend scried which was like he had his partner john kelly look into a black mirror and had him scry the ethers of the tree of life which is actually in this whole operation is actually where like alistair crowley and a lot of different western esotericism came from is specifically this working and they contacted angels um, which are, and th- these are Enochian angels. And there's very, it's very unclear. Even J- John D said on his deathbed, he didn't know if they were benevolent or not. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because the very end of their session, they had a, um, they had an encounter with 
the daughter of fortitude. And the daughter of fortitude is Babylon. The daughter of fortitude. I am the daughter of fortitude and ravished every hour from my youth. For behold, I am understanding and science dwelleth within me and the heavens oppress me. They cover and desire me with infinite appetite. Few or none that are earthly have embraced me for I am shadowed with the circle of the sun and covered with the morning clouds. My feet are swifter than the winds and my hands are sweeter than the morning dew. So they encountered Babylon. Essentially, she scared the shit out of them. (laughs) And they stopped their scrying. They stopped their working. And because it goes on, goes on further, but she was fearsome. She was wearing like this breastplate. And the most interesting thing about all of this is years. So that was in the 1800s. In the 1940s, there was a, there was an unearthing of a document called the Nag Hammadi, the Gnostic text. And, and there is a transmission in that holy text that was buried for thousands of years, I believe, like from the Dead Sea Scrolls, essentially, like around that time. And the daughter of fortitude speech and this holy text are like one thing they're saying exactly the same it's it is very apparent that the thing transmitting is the same being the same energy that is so cool what do you feel around the energy of the holy whore and how does that archetype play out in your reality well whores are priestesses like and so there's a um I believe it is in The Red Goddess, which is a book about Babylon by Peter Gray. He says, if you want to see how a society is functioning, look at at how it treats its whores. Oh, that's so beautiful. And uh, the answer is not great, Bob. Not right now. But I do believe that really we are coming. I mean, more and more people are realizing that, you know, that there's nothing wrong with sexuality, no matter what you were told. And there is nothing wrong with enjoying sex. There's nothing wrong with, with sex magic. I mean, and, and also just how absolutely powerful sexual energy is because sexual energy is also creative energy. I do believe that really that horrors that the, I mean, like if you look at, at the, at, at, in ancient times, they were like the whores were priestesses of the goddess and they, yeah. and they used their bodies as altars upon which to perform ritual. And, and that ritual, you know, used, I mean, for I mean, a magic wand in the phallic sense, obviously is what I'm saying, but the, um, and then the chalice of, of the woman everything is everything. So it's like, you know, the, 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 the sword and the chalice. The only reason we have any kind of hang up and hang up with it is just puritanical bullshit that this, that this country was built on. Yeah. One thing I noticed was interesting during the pandemic is, you know, I've worked with sex workers for the last 
five or six years. But during the pandemic, there was this like surge of OnlyFans and people posting nude photos on social media platforms. And in a sense, they are, but in a sense, they're, they're owning this title of sex worker because they have an OnlyFans, which is a little different than the sex workers who are literally using their physical bodies to transmute absolutely um, energy. And I'm not saying anything bad about the OnlyFans people or webcam people, but it's like it's almost a different sect of whore and that they're, the energy of the whore is multi-layered. Right. But I really like what you bring up with the body and that the body is the altar. And no matter if you consider yourself a whore or not, so much magic can be done from the place of our altar. And I see altars as a way to ground our magic that can feel like it's floating in the ether so often. It sort of anchors us down. But there's this energy that the whores take on the brunt of the community. And I don't think we totally realize that in a sense, whores keep our community almost safer sometimes because they are transmuting so much sexual energy. And sometimes that sexual energy may have been used elsewhere. Does that make sense at all? No, absolutely. I mean, and it's also one of those things, especially, I mean, if you consider that the game that we're coming out of, the unconscious masculine, like... The whore is essential to to helping process that because there's, yeah. there's there's and I mean it's not even a, a matter of blame. I mean, believe me, there's plenty there's plenty of blame to go around. But we're not talking about shame. We're not talking about like oh these people will be doing terrible things, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, yeah, that is that's true too. Sex is a ritual in itself. Like it is. I mean, tantric sex is literally taking you know energy that's not serving and transmuting it into power into magic right and so yes absolutely what you're saying is do you consider yourself a whore at all or have you ever absolutely i have i am a little i mean i'm monogamous currently (laughs) now (laughs) for the for the foreseeable future yes i mean absolutely um i i really i come from a very i come from a catholic background and um, I really owned my sexuality for a while. Um, I do believe that even then, again, too, because we are in that, it, we were in that unconscious masculine game. You know, I was definitely doing things um, from an unconscious place that actually brought up a lot of stuff. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. you know, the, the transmutation of those things. Whores are priestesses and whores are healers. And so while I might have considered myself a whore in the past, I consider myself a healer now and not so much in a way of like, Oh, what is wrong with you? Let me help you more so to hold space so that the person that I am interacting with and I am communing with can heal themselves because ultimately healing is, is done by yourself. When I say I'm a healer, I think a little bit of imposter syndrome comes up and my thinking mind doesn't love that to be honest, but I know for a fact that I have healed myself like over and over and over again 
and still continue. I mean, it's a journey. It's a it's a spiralic yeah. journey. <laughs> and, when you, and when you heal yourself, you're literally healing the grid, in my opinion. You're oh. literally bringing healing to the earth. And I almost feel like when we do that healing on ourselves, we are a healer. Yes. Or we wouldn't be able to do that healing for ourselves. Yeah. And when we heal ourselves, I feel like we're, we literally heal the grid beneath us. And it almost like lightens the load of the earth, allowing the earth to ascend further. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. Because if you, if we think about in terms of dimensions, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, the reason why. We have to, like, the reason why we've all been going through a horrible, like, dark night of the soul, like, underworld journey, literally going through hell, is because we have to let it go. So another another goddess that comes to mind, and again, this is all plain within what we're talking about with mythology, goddess that comes to mind is Inanna who also does actually have associations with, uh, you know, with other goddesses, but Inanna is, an, is a Sumerian goddess. And she journeyed into the underworld to save her beloved. And to get to where she needed to go, she had to take off like pieces of jewelry, protection, clothing, and so on and so forth. Until when she reached her beloved, she was naked, she was unclothed, and she was bare and pure, but pure in the sense not of like virginity or anything, but pure as, what word am I looking for? Purity is, oh, um, authentic. She was authentic. Mm. She was herself. She literally, it, it, think of it as, you know, metaphor for, for ego, um, getting, getting layers of that getting peeled away. Or there's a, a metaphor for the Buddha, right? Is that a clay Buddha is covered with dirt and mud, um, and the but the shining gold is always underneath, right? And that's so cool. And so what we're doing now is that underworld journey, and those pieces of clothing that we're taking off are things that we don't need anymore. So what do we not need anymore? We don't need fear. Fear isn't like. Fear has had a function in the past, you know, like if you walked outside, there could be a tiger and you could die, right? Now, of course, you could die if you stepped outside of the house, who knows, but it's a lot less likely that a tiger is going to attack you, you know? And so really our brains are, I mean, if you think about it in terms of like, like the oldest parts of ourselves, like the oldest parts of our brain, like the lizard brain, um... You know, those are all about survival. Whereas like the new parts, the like the neocortex, and I mean, really, if you think about it, really our consciousness. Our consciousness is just leaps and bounds ahead of our brain, but our brain is tied yeah. to our bodies. And so we so that's why everybody is having a psychotic break now, for lack for lack of a better term. <laughs> because literally the brain cannot process the expansion that we're going through, but, yeah. but our souls, which are eternal and are a piece of divinity. No, we got this. We got this. I love that. I also think it's really interesting what you're saying around the energy of purity connected to authenticity. 
I was in a, one of the ways I healed myself was throwing myself into art, specifically theater classes and acting classes. And I was able to manifest this acting teacher who also was deeply embedded into Carl Jung and different forms of psychology. And he was also obsessed with uh, like Chekhov and Meisner, acting coaches and philosophers and writers of our time. And he would he would sort of peel back these layers that you're talking about with the ego and make us get on stage so fully ourselves and then hand us the script and then hand us the story. And then we would embody the story, but as the root of ourself, not pretending to be someone else. Oh and he said, God. like, he said the best acting was not pretending. So, But first, what he made us do is, like, get so fucking comfortable with how the world sees our avatars and that we had to know right away that we were being typecasted by everyone. And our ego is so scared of being typecasted, right? He would make someone go up on stage and we'd have to say authentically who we would cast them in as a movie, or cast them in what role they would play in a movie if we were casting the movie. And I remember I was sitting in the audience and he had this old white man on stage and he was like, Lacey. And I was 18 at this time and like wide-eyed and bushy-tailed. And I took a class with this man for 10 years, off and on for 10 years. His name's Chris Thatcher, by the way, in Boulder, Colorado. Shout out. But... (laughs) He like asked me, what would you, what role would you put this man in? And I was like, and I'm, it was like, he seems like Chester the molester. Like he seems like a scary man who lives down the street that if I saw him, I would turn the other way. And I had, then he was like, perfect, Lacey, get up on stage. And I had to look in that man's eyes and call him Chester the molester. And then he had to repeat what I was saying. This is a Meisner technique. Mm-hmm. And we had to go back and forth. And authentically, there's energy between each of us. Good, bad. Magic isn't neutral. That's one thing that mm. keeps showing up. Oh, yeah. Magic isn't neutral. Magic isn't polite. Right. And how we interact with other beings, I think, rarely is neutral. But the matrix tells us to tone down our psychic abilities, to Mm -hmm. tone down our emotional reactions. So we're out here pretending we're neutral when we're not neutral. You know, we get instincts about beings and we create stories in our head based on mythology around these beings. I say all this to say one of the days he made me stand up on stage and I had to stand up there with the spotlight on me and listen to how everyone perceived me by looking at me and one person said i would cast her as a roller derby girl (laughs) (laughs) and one person was like oh the like weird girl next door you know and some were like meaner and i don't actually remember all of them but the one that like hit me the hardest that i got the most emotional reaction towards was when this like hot 
rocker man with his slicked back hair and his dark, mysterious beauty looked at me and said, <laughs> you're so innocent. You're so pure. I would I would put, put you in the role as like the purest girl in the room. And I was like, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> How I am dare not you? Pure. And it like authentically, I wanted to scream and cry because I was like, how dare you, man, in your dark beauty, judge mm. me as pure. You don't mm. know what the fuck I've been through. And I automatically like got defensive about my story of you don't know that I was dragged by my hair in the middle of the night, that my face has been beaten in by the people who are supposed to love me. You don't know about the times I've been raped or when I had to come into a meth trailer. Fuck you. I'm not... I'm not pure. And he was like, just because you went through darkness, Lacey, doesn't mean you're not pure. Boom. Pure (laughs) because you're pure because you move with your soul. Damn. I fell in love with him in that moment. Holy shit, I would too. (laughs) I was so in love with this man. Our acting coach would always tell us, like, you can't bring whatever comes on stage into the parking lot because it's humanity under a microscope, Mm -hmm. you know? So whatever, like, sexual feelings or hateful feelings you feel towards a being, we're going to, like, exaggerate it for the stage. And then after after you get off the stage, you have to drop that role. You have Mm -hmm. to drop that story. So it also like helped heal me in the way you're speaking of, of like dropping some of these layers. Mm -hmm. But I always think of that as a lesson for me that I am pure, even if I went through the darkness. Because to be authentic is still to is to still be connected to your light, no matter which portal you're currently going through yes yes what i mean there's i'm sorry i wanted to touch upon just one thing that you're so one what i love about that story is how perfectly it plays into the idea of mythology it is it's your personal mythology you know myths are not just things written in books thousands and thousands of years ago myths are Myths never happened and they're always happening. So if you think about what you are, like what you just said, I mean, <laughs> I'm just, I, I had about eight different stories, like eight different myths that we could like connect that with. And so like a big thing that, you know, first of all, yes, you could definitely do, we could, we could connect it with Inanna. You could also put that as essentially a, a metaphor for what we are going with, going through with ascension right now and you, you can also do it for literally life like you said you it's it's under a microscope and you're on stage and you when you go out into the parking lot you have to drop that role well like you can literally think of that as like you know you lacy are playing a role of lacy for this life and then when you are done you will drop that role and continue now that's up for debate. Yes. I know that I know that like Noah believes this like, you know, final destination end game stuff. And I <laughs> and I and I get I get that too. But I I think that really like the the really deep 
not so much the deep, but actually like the more superficial parts of the way that we think of ourselves, you know, that doesn't come with us. But but your true essence, that purity that that man was talking about, that that goes on. Like that is, yeah, yeah that that's the eternal part. And also what you said about magic, magic is not neutral. I mean, sorry, magic is not... Um, neutral, yeah. Neutral, yeah. Magic is a tool, right? And so what can you do with a tool? I can build a house or I can bash somebody's head in, you know? And it's really about, I mean, like everything, it is about intention. So if you, if, if you're coming from a place of, of love with, uh, when it comes to magic, you really don't have anything to worry about, you know, but if you're, if you're working from fear and if you're working from, you know, like a more like egoic self, I suppose, um, you know, you can, you can run into some trouble, but, totally. but I mean, the other thing too, is that also acting is absolutely witchcraft. Like it's absolutely magic. Like it's, it's trying on different archetypes. It's trying on, I mean, it, it's getting into a ritual space. The stage is your altar, right? And you are, that play is in itself the ritual and you are enacting because also myth arises from ritual and and also myth arises from ritual and ritual myth arises ar- from myth it's both yes, it's both it's it's, it's so not good. either it's both <laughs> yeah it's not either it's both i keep having these visions the last few nights of starting an end of the world theater troupe, like an mm-hmm. in real life, mm-hmm. like traveling theater troupe for the end of the world, where we just perform in the middle of streets or in areas where people are really scared. I feel like people are going to be mad at me just for saying that. But <laughs> I think being in real life is really important right now. No. And I do think theater is such a transformative ritual. Right. No, no, absolutely it is. I mean, and that's what, that's why I think, like, if you look at, okay, let's look at also the, um, if you want to look at, like, what a culture is going through right now, look at its art, right? And so think about, like, think about big themes that we have, like, right now, like, The Good Place, for example. Did you watch that? No, I haven't seen it. It's, it's basically just about, it's the afterlife and they think that they're in the good place, but it, okay, actually I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great show. And, but all I can say is I would recommend it and watch that and then look around basically and realize that we are in paradise right now, right now. We're in heaven. You and I are in heaven right now. Because heaven is not a place. Heaven is a dimension of consciousness. Heaven, and and also, guess what? Hell is too. And so, you know, something that really struck me, I can't remember where I read this and it kind of is driving me crazy because that's kind of how my brain works. I just find things randomly and then forget where I found them. But um, the, I read something somewhere about the Atlanteans. So those from Atlantis, that they were able to navigate to either heaven or hell with just a thought. And 
and we're, we're we're not talking about so much thoughts really here. We're talking more so about consciousness. But I think also that we are really moving away from thinking of the thinking mind as just a chatterbox of ego that is just looping and catching you up and fucking you up and so on and so forth. And we're really moving into really embodying our consciousness and using the brain, the thinking mind as mm, kind of like a magnifying glass for whatever you want to focus consciousness on. And so I can tell you, I've definitely put myself in hell. I mean, over and over and over again. Like I, I was miserable and I hated myself. And I, and when I hated myself, I hated everybody else and I hated the world and I didn't want to be alive and et cetera, et cetera. But I was just interjecting to say, I think there's still so much judgment on the beings that traveled to the underworld yeah. or where their consciousness is in hell. But everything I know about un- the underworld, especially from mythology and you can correct me too or add in this is that we go to the underworld to get more codes and to bring the codes from the shadows. Treasure. And and sometimes the most enlightened beings are the ones who are suffering in the underworld. But we don't – and we might judge them because I'm up on this hill with my abundance living in utopia in this current reality, um, which I don't resonate with that archetype so much. But it's nice. It's like a nice thing to experience, you know. But sometimes when we're going through the cycle where we're up on the hill experiencing utopia, we look at the bottom of the hill and see someone screaming from the underworld and we assume we're doing something better or more enlightened right. or more spiritual when they may be extremely enlightened and and maybe more courageous in some way. I mean – and sorry, I hope I didn't come across as that because oh, believe no, me, there, you is, there is. But I always just want to add that because I think for myself, I still do this reward punishment thing yeah. that I'm stepping out of. When my consciousness goes to the dark places, I look around and say, oh, I'm bad or I'm doing something bad. Right. And it's like, no, I might just be co- be collecting data from the underworld right, right now right. to take back with me when I enter heaven and that I go from heaven to hell frequently. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's what the witch does. The witch is able to move wherever they want, period. The goddess that I worked with very primarily is Hecate. And Hecate is the guardian. She's the goddess of the crossroads. And she, but when we talk about crossroads, we're not, I mean, yes, of course, we're talking about literal crossroads, but we're talking about the intersection of heaven earth and hell she rules them all she is she holds dominion over them all and she's also the the holder of the keys and so that i absolutely know that um my work with hikate is i mean like by by doing my work with her i definitely did go into the underworld but to be completely honest i believe i was like already in that situation and so you like working with Hikate actually just gave me navigation essentially um, because we're all, I mean, you know, what I'm trying to say, I guess, is that we experience 
it, it, it's, you know, it, it's really about like, you know, as within, so without, right? So to say that somebody is going through hell right now, that is not a value judgment. That is, I mean, if anything, that's an observation, really. And because you're 100% right, treasure is found in the underworld, like magic, um, teachers, like absolutely. Um, teachers in, in both senses. I mean, you can definitely find people that are, because the whole thing with, the big thing with Hakate is that she's the, the torch bearer. So she literally has a torch. Now, torches can light the way, but torches also, what? Show your shadows, you know? Because like when you light a candle, you cast a shadow, period. When you have light, you have shadow. It's both. It's always both. I believe that we are in utopia, but I also believe that we're in hell too. Like it, it's, again, it's, it's both. Like it's not, it's just, we've been so trained and programmed to externalize all of these experiences when in fact, you know, like in the Bible, it says the kingdom of heaven is within you. Like that's what Jesus said. Right. And I really think that's really what it comes down to is this world. When we talk about ascension, yes, the world decided to ascend, but it decided to do that by each of us ascending by each of us going through that process. And when, if we look around, we understand that the earth is, think of the earth as like the garden, right? The earth is the garden and we are Adam and Eve. Like if you want to talk about like myths, like, you know, like think about the Bible. Think The Bible is also myth. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. The Bible is stories that are explaining, like as Neville Goddard says, and as, as Noah talks about all the time, is it's internal states. It's like, it's your consciousness. Every character in there is you. And just, and I mean, that in itself is a metaphor because every character is you. Like every person that you're seeing out there is a reflection of yourself. You're seeing me and the way that you look at me is also, like if you, if you admire anything about me, that's within you, period. And the same thing with me. Everything that I looked for when I like got a reading with you, I was like, oh my God, what a magical, magical being. I can't wait to have a conversation. And I know that like, I'm magical too. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it, it all, it, it is just kind of like a house of mirrors and not in a bad way. <laughs> it's, yes. It, and I, yeah, I love what you're saying about it. Like with our readings too, you know, I think about this a lot for people who have audiences it's that we can control is a bad word but we play a role into who's who finds us yeah. and who's attracted to us and they truly are a reflection of us i feel so thankful for the fucking people who've decided to get her reading with me because they're showing me humanity's so beautiful like i always have believed in the magic beans here. Mm -hmm. But after doing so many readings globally, everybody makes sense. Yeah. And every story makes sense from their perspective. And that goes back to the energy of mythology or theater. It's the ability to put yourself in their shoes or at least hold their hand while they're in their shoes. And it just has made me have like so much more love for the beans 
as yeah. individuals, but also a reflection of my magic and me getting to be a reflection of their magic. You talk about you wanted a reading with me because I'm magic. After we got off the phone, I was like, holy shit, you're so magic. I love that energy. I first want to say also, I love this idea of roles and that we're we're constantly playing roles and how we can do that in sex magic. Mm-hmm. For a long time with sex, I played the role of like innocent, submissive, like mm-hmm. fuck me, daddy energy. <laughs> and but there's I'm like, laughing because same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's so fun to know that like I can be tapped into that childhood and girl self and i mean this in a completely consensual Mm -hmm. healthy way sometimes it probably wasn't healthy in the ways i was doing it but even if i chose dark portals sexually i believe it led to my greater healing now but that's for me personally i and i'm talking about sexual activities i consented to as of recently i'm like oh wait I can tap into the father archetype as well in sex. I can tap into uh, the mysterious ar- archetype. That man who looked at me in the theater class was so fucking hot. And he was like, you're so innocent. But I can tap into his role as well. Yeah. Like I can tap into the hot masculine rocker too. And I think sex is so fun when we tap into the energy of shape shift shifting Mm -hmm. with roles shape shifting with roles in sex i think helps us with our roles in this this reality oh yeah definitely yeah definitely i mean it's one of those things like okay so i um i trained with p for timeline jumping right and the idea of that is literally that you are picking a new character um to jump into that timeline because Everything is happening all at once, and you're literally just selecting, like, oh, I want to be more confident, or I want to be sexier, or I want to be, you know, more empathetic, or whatever, whatever it is. And so what this really comes down to is, like, um, it's really, I mean, it's it's acting. I mean, like, it's acting, but not in, like, that's not dismissive of it. It's saying that that in itself is a powerful, magical act. And so if you wake up, if you timeline jump and you wake up the next morning and say, okay, I'm in this new reality. How would this character act in this situation? And the way, like the way that triggers and things like that might come up in the world, you can, when you, you can just kind of see this beautiful dance that the universe has with you. And you realize that what is, what's happening is the universe is reflecting back at you what you are trying to be or what you are being rather, like what, what you're doing right now, what you're being. And it's saying, oh, but you weren't this yesterday. So here's a test to make sure it's still you, <laughs> basically. And, and I don't view tests as a bad thing either. Absolutely not. Um, you know, it's one of those things I... I- I had a situation today where I had such horrible fear and I was like spinning off into space and I, I drew a card and I got the, um, the two of swords reversed and then really kind of sat with that and thought about like really what that means. 
And it was like, I'm not centered. I'm not balanced. And I am, you know, really, I'm, I'm just kind of like floating off into space kind of right now. So I intentionally like embodied myself. Like I, I, I just, I got into my body and I was like, what's going on? What's the story here? And I was able to pick it out. And I was like, oh my God. And I got, I like it, when you pass through that fear, it's so fucking exhilarating to, yeah. to just realize that stuff that used to just ruin you. I mean, I would have things that would like, if I got caught on a loop, sometimes I wouldn't play that loop for a day, to a, a day, a week, a month, sometimes years, literally. And that's what I'm talking about when we're talking about like, quote unquote, lower vibrations or hell or whatever. Yeah. It is literally just the those those states of like fear, of shame, of and again, not value judgment. Those are just different states. It's just it's it's the same it's the same place, it's the same person. You're the same person. It's just you're going up and down. And again, like as witches, that's what we do. <laughs> we travel worlds. We're- and like we loop to learn. And we can we continuously loop until we have learned. But I think sometimes the tricky part with looping is like noticing that you're looping and then like saying, I'm looping. And then yeah. you start telling the story of looping. So then you're continuing the looping. Right. One thing I like about that acting teacher in those acting classes was, again, this energy that even if I change roles, even if I put on different shoes, I'm still me. Mm-hmm. Even if even if it's a different character. So even if I'm jumping these timelines, I'm still my soul essence right. and I don't lose that. And that goes back to the energy of purity, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like I lose it. Sometimes I feel like I sh- I'm, I'm like, am I being authentic right now? And it's okay to question that and wonder. Yeah. I think it's but great think to that's- question that actually. Yeah. And I Go think ahead. that's our soul essence is we do these rituals to remember our soul essence. Yeah. There are a lot of um, witches who are masculine, but like afraid to own their witchness because mm-hmm. they may appear masculine in some way. Because to be a witch, in my opinion, is to worship and honor divine feminine magic. Yeah. But that doesn't mean gender. No. So do you have like any like advice for someone finding their witchiness or different rituals? or sex rituals to tap into that? For me, meditation. (laughs) I know that sounds like kind of cliche. I'm a huge proponent of, I do basically almost like a form of like transcendental meditation. Um, But it is really, it's, it's mantra based. So it's one of those things where I am repeating a mantra, which essentially doesn't mean anything. It doesn't have to, that's not the point. The point is you're repeating it. And as you're repeating it, you still have those thoughts. That, like that come through and you're like, wait, if I have these thoughts, then what the fuck? Like what is saying the mantra over and over? And you have like this, like kind of like, whoa, kind of moment. You're like, that's, yeah. that's who I really am. Cause I'm not my thoughts and I'm not my feelings. I'm a huge proponent of, um, of herbal like supplements and, uh, and different tinctures and things like that. I take like holy basil, ashwagandha, cannabis, to be honest, CBD. CBD actually is maybe one that I would actually really throw out there. CBD for me, 
really grounds me and it it brings me it kind of like shifts my body over to where i need to be like if my if my consciousness is like over there i can kind of be like okay breathe <laughs> and kind of really tap into the the medicine of the cannabis plant which is also the divine feminine what you were talking about with the choosing maybe like darker portals when it came to i guess long story short is i went through i did some, i went through some darkness with with sex basically and um, i'm now with my loving partner and so i'm really working to heal that really right now just saying pretty much exactly what you were saying earlier like uh, the dom sub stuff there is nothing wrong with dominant submissive there's nothing wrong with you know that kind of role playing things like that um the place that i was doing it from though was a place of fear and hurt just deep deep self-hatred to the point where essentially i was like the only way that i can be loved is if i have somebody hurt me like that's the only way that i can experience love because again like i was raised catholic <laughs> I'm, I'm a i'm a queer dude um he was raised catholic and uh i had somebody who like my one of my like very first sexual encounters it was literally fooling around and then literally getting kicked out of bed like literally kicked onto the floor to sleep and that kind of like set in motion for most of my sexual encounters after that for that same kind of behavior just to repeat over and over again because again i thought that that's all that i deserved and to be honest, the way that I healed it is all the shadow work. <laughs> but also, I'm like, I'm a Pluto. What do you mean when you say shadow work? Can so, you, like, elaborate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's a, that's a very good point because it, it is kind of whatever. It is kind of up in the air out there. A lot of people say shadow work. Well, shadow work is one of those things that's it's not pretty. <laughs> like, there's no, you, you can't really, honestly, you can't almost even talk about shadow work like on social media or something like that, because it's all just like the deeply, I mean, it's all the parts of yourself that you're rejecting. It's all the shame. It's all the places that you find shame within yourself. And I mean, so that can be as simple as, oh, I don't love myself. And then and kind of experimenting with that to be like, you know, when this person does this thing, I literally want to kill them. And, and you suppress that. For me, I'm a, I am a Scorpio rising and I have Pluto in the first house. So <laughs> that's like my game, baby. It's all about transformation. It's all about like the deep, dark, like subterranean things. And also bringing all of that to the surface because Pluto is also Phoenix energy. It's also like rising from the ashes. And so I realized that I was not sexually assaulted with any of these things. I, I did consent to everything that I did. However, I didn't realize the toll that it was taking on me because I thought that, oh, you know, this was consensual, so it's fine. It wasn't really. I, That's such I, a good point. It, That's it, it's trauma. I mean, it's, it's trauma, to, to be honest. And it's one of those things I was in deep denial for it. And, it, and I also know that it was, it was in my body. It needed to be released. And I, 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 I do that in a variety of ways. And somatic practices are something I'm really working on. Um, you know, I like energy work, um, 
you know, all, all of those sorts of things. It's, it's a matter of honestly, just, uh, I need to just find kind of like the correct modality. You know, I've had Reiki. Um, I really like body work is actually really, really big. Had like an insanely perfect massage for my birthday that my boyfriend gave me. Um, and literally like as I came out of that, I like, they gave me a letter and it was seriously like, this is the like this is the first day of the next this is the first day of the rest of your life like you are you are reborn etc cetera, etc cetera. and it just felt so i was just like that was ritual too you know i i let a lot of stuff go and um you were saying so many amazing things right now and i want to touch on a few of the points that you're bringing up and one is that we can consent to our own sexual trauma And that doesn't mean that it's not sexual trauma. It's not that we're consenting to the trauma per se. I don't like how I said that. But but we can internalize and be sexually traumatized in situations that we agree to in the moment. Right. Uh, And it doesn't make it our fault. And it doesn't mean that there should be guilt or shame or blame, even though sometimes that occurs naturally as a reaction to the trauma. But, but sometimes we are carrying sexual trauma in our hips and in our bodies, but we walk around confused because we weren't molested or right. r- raped per se. Mm-hmm. But so many people can connect to the, the wound of sexual trauma just because internalized sexual trauma in some of their sexual encounters. Like I – I was working with someone and she had been called ugly mm-hmm. while she was fucking the person she was madly in love with. Mm-hmm. And she internalized that as sexual trauma because it is. Yeah. Because someone was belittling her and using their words as a dark force while she was opening her portal to them. Right. And that everybody's different in how we sort trauma is a little different, but I think we store it in like the tightness of our hips pretty Mm -hmm. frequently in our lower back in our, in our sacral chakra in our pelvic area. And sometimes it's hard to be creative because we're storing the sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. But I think we always compare our trauma to like our neighbor's trauma. And we think, Oh, if it wasn't like blatant sexual trauma, then I wasn't traumatized. Right. Exactly. I, I mean, I think a lot of people don't really understand that, like, that everybody carries trauma. And I, especially now, everybody has trauma, regardless of the way that you are reacting to what is happening right now. It's still within your body, you know? And so that's yeah. why practices, like the things that you do, and somatic practices, and energy healing, and all kinds of every, all, that, that's why this shit is vitally important right now because you know i can uh, this the, the pandemic's not going to last forever but if you let the the trauma from it just fester in your body it's not it's it's not good it, it's, it's yeah and at any moment 
we can tap into our bodies. Yeah. Even if we consider ourselves like so disconnected from our body or if you don't like exercise or if you're one of those rigid people who are like, I can't get a gym membership or I can't go to this yoga class because I might not do it consecutively. So many people stop themselves because they're like, so rigid in their mind. And when I say so many people, I'm talking about me. (laughs) I can get get like really rigid in my own mind. And I'm like, oh, I started a workout routine. I need to be consistent. And if I'm not consistent, then I start beating myself up. And it's like, chill, chill, dude. At any point, we can just move into a hip opener. We're talking about the sexual trauma, just like simple yoga hip openers Mm -hmm. are so healing for opening up that space. Doing doing herbal steams on your butt or your vagina or both, no matter what your genitalia is, it's so fucking healing for the body. Deep tissue massage, it's acupuncture, yoga. And if you don't have the privilege of paying for those, like self-massage. Yeah. You know? Just working out. I mean, I learned something that really kind of blew my mind is I read a book about burnout and they were talking about the way that when we get activated, um, when our fight or flight response gets activated and when that cortisol spikes, we are looking, our bodies are essentially looking for a way to close that loop of that fight or flight response. And in the past, it would be the relief that you felt from running away from a tiger and then the relief that you feel after it. But Mm. now we just sit, it just sits there, you know? And Mm. so, so many people are just walking around with all of these like fight or flight loops just going constantly. I mean, and honestly, when we're talking about like fight or flight, um, I'm pretty sensitive to caffeine. So when I, I I used to drink a triple shot of espresso and then I would go to my job, which is walking dogs, and I would read the news, that would trigger my fight or flight response. And I would have nearly a panic attack. And so when I read that in that book, they were talking about different ways that you can close that loop. And I mean- What's the book called? It's called, I believe it's just called Burnout. It's by sisters though, twin sisters. And they are, they're talking about the ways in which you can close these loops and literally walking- like people always talk about like, oh, you know, so nice to have a walk or so on. It, it's, it helps. I mean, for me- It really I, does. For me, I realize that literally just, like if I am in my head and if I am like having a panic or whatever spiral, a somatic tip is, they, they talk about too, they were like, you know, if you're not, if you're not mobile, if you, if you're not able to walk, that you- literally can just tense up every muscle in your body as you're lying down. Think about what that trigger is, like what happened that caused that. Feel everything, feel all the emotions. It's going to feel scary, whatever, but you can really feel like, oh my God, I really fucked up. I did it today, standing up and just probably looked like a crazy person, (laughs) just like just clenching every part of my body and then just (sighs) release. And without fail, it always feels amazing. So that's so good. Thank you for that. That's amazing. Thank you so much for being here. This has been amazing. Before we go, 
will you touch on, you brought up the apocalypse a few times Mm -hmm. in the end of the world. Will you touch on what you see as the apocalypse and what you sort of predict or energetically intuit, energetically perceive for 2022? Yeah, absolutely. So the apocalypse in Greek, it means the unveiling. That's really it. Um, our, our associations with it as like the end of the world, things like that, are, I would say, a little bit more dogmatic, um, dogmatically driven. Um, but really what it means is the veils are off. Like we are, we realize that no, we're not just bags of meat walking around with no purpose. We are spiritual, beautiful beings. We are gods. We are divine. And we are here because we chose to be here. If you are here right now, and if you are listening to this, then you are here for a reason. And if you don't like what you see in the world, and if you don't feel like you fit in here, it's because you are here to bring about a, bring about a new one. When we talk about the, um, the kingdom of heaven being within you, we are bringing the new world. It's not just, it, it's not like we wake up one, one day and it's, and, and everything's different and we can fly, you know, like it's, it's, it's literally, it's us doing this internal work, us raising our consciousness to these different dimensions to, and that is what ascension is, is essentially all it is, is just, it's different consciousness, different modes of consciousness. So I view that what is happening right now is the world that we knew it is gone. It's ended. It's, 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 it's gone. You can mourn that. You can also mourn the person that you used to be or the person that you thought you had to be. But from where we are now, we are, we made it to the end. (laughs) So what happens now is it's the new beginning. It is a new beginning. We are at the end of the Bible. (laughs) Like we like, and so what we, so right now we are the writers of the new story. Like we now get to decide what our story is and you can sit there and think about what brings me joy. What, what makes my heart sing? The message that I just keep on getting over and over is it's not the end. It's the beginning. There's the myth of Atlantis, but as we said, it never happened, but it's always happening. So this Mm. in a sense is Atlantis as well. We are in the era of that. So if we look back in, in especially the way that different channelers and things like that have, you know, gave us the story is essentially that, you know, we went through this already and it didn't work. So we are here now because we're going to make it work. We are like, I, I don't doubt that there are dark times ahead, but I do have just, I have hope. I, I, I really do. For, I have hope too. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's definitely not all sunshines and butterflies. Sunshine and butterflies. It's it's not all, um, you know. It's not. I mean, it is all magic. Let's be honest. <laughs> but 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 not in like wave a wand and everything is fixed. I think that for 2022. So 2022 is um, it's uh, in tarot. You you can calculate the the year, uh, like the card of the year, and our collective card of the year is the lovers. And in, tra- mm. <laughs> in, in, in traditional tarot, this is going to symbolize, it really has connections with Adam and Eve. It has connections with like 
um, obviously with like the, the alchemical marriage of, um, of the shadow self and your true self, um, and realizing that neither is a bad thing. It is literally just an integration of the two. And I believe that the reason why we are going through this collective trauma through this collective dark night of the soul is why anybody goes through a dark night of the soul. And that is to find their true selves. And I think we as a collective are finding our true self. Beautiful. You amazing, powerful, wicked, wild, <laughs> witch, and poet. Thank you so much for being here. Where can people find you? I am on Instagram as Tristan um, Tristan Rever, T-R-I-S-T-A-N-R-E-V-E-U-R is my Instagram and my Twitter. Thank you so much for being here. Have a happy fucking new year. Thank you so much, Lacey. Um, and, you know, which knows which. So trust, like, I, I really adore you. So thank you so much for having me. You asked me to write a poem about you, so I punched a hole in the wall. I got blood all over your new car. You said you didn't care. They put my hand in a cast. You were the only one to sign it. Tell me again about the lake, how we'll go there when I'm better. The cold, clear water numbing our feet while we whisper the word darling. Tell me again about the door in the woods, how it shines so brightly on moonless nights. You're turning the handle, you're stepping through. Remember when I took that photo of you? How when we looked at it later, there was a ghost of a saint playing with your hair. On our first date, we fake our deaths, cut our hair, and change our names. I'll pick you up at eight. Bring the scissors.